I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Psalm 8 and to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Psalm 8 and 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This morning I'm going to answer a question that has been asked as long as time has existed. You can go back to the earliest, earliest time. You can go back to the most primitive area in this world. But whether they verbalize it or not, this is a deep-rooted question that everybody asks and we have to answer. In the 8th Psalm, look at verse 3. The psalmist said, When I consider the heavens... The work of your fingers. What a mighty view of God. Lord, I look at the stars shining brightly. I look at the full moon. I look at the sun that rises like it does every day. God, that's the work of your fingers. My, what an awesome God. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, then here's the question. What is man? Now, that's a good question. What is woman? What is man and woman? What is life all about? The philosophers from Plato to Socrates and on down through history and modern philosophers and others just keep saying, well, now, let me tell you what man or woman is. This is what they are. The psalmist raised that question. What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visited him. You've made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've made him to have dominion over all your works. You put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea that pass through the seas. O Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Now, here's the question. What is man and what is woman that God is mindful of them? Well, I'm going to give you God's answer. But you know, the answer that man gives just doesn't hold water. They say, well, listen, man is just, um, he's just a physical being. He has a body and he has a brain. And that brain is the source of consciousness. In other words, hey, we're physical beings. And we have a brain. And that makes us conscious beings. we born, we live, we die. You know, it, it kind of amazed me how much emphasis we put on the body. And by the way, the Bible says that the Christian should remember that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you're not to defile it. God's spirit lives in you. But you know, when you get to thinking about the body, th- this, this house that we live in, do you know it's 80% water? Now, that, 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 that kind of bothers me. That means when you die, you just dehydrate. I guess that's what it means. 80% water. And then we got all the minerals and all that kind of thing. I guess the tragedy... Of the answer to answer the question, what is man? 
was answered by Darwin. He said, you know, man is just a higher form of animal life. He's just the top of the chain. He is at the top of the chain of the evolutionary process. And it all began with one little cell. And that cell multiplied. And uh, I don't know if it's in the ocean or on the land, but it, that little cell multiplied. One day it crawled out of the ocean. And then it developed into this. We all came from one cell. There was no creator. And we just developed over the years the process of evolution. And so here we have this body today with millions of miles of blood vessels and and, and a brain that can, is conscious and heart that beats just right. I mean, it, you know, do you, can I say something? It takes far more faith to believe in evolution than it does in a creator. You know that? I mean, my soul, it's foolish. I, I'm not smart. But I know we just didn't happen. And it didn't all come from an amoebic cell that began somewhere. Well, where did it come from? And so what a, a sorry answer to the question, what is man? Well, Genesis 1.26 answers the question, what is man? I want you to listen to it. And God said, God said, let us make man and woman, let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air. And so God made male and female in his image. You know what is man? You are the crown of God's creation. All that God created, all the animals, all the birds, all the magnificent creatures that an omnipotent God created. But then he created you and me in his image and in his likeness and said, I want you to rule over this earth. We all know there's a creator. Anybody that's honest says behind all of this that we see, the physical world and man and woman, there is the creator. We happen to know that his name is Jehovah, the great I am. The one true living God who created us in his image. Now, as he created us, there were three things that he said about us. What is man? He said, let's create man in our image. Now, we're not in the image of God physically because God is a spirit. But you know what it means to be made in the image of God? He created us to be an extension of his life. That wherever his crown of creation, man and woman went, we would extend the life of God. His life, indwelling us by the Holy Spirit, would be extended. Wherever we go, we are an extension of the very life of God. He said, let's make man after our likeness. And you know what that means? That we were to be an expression of the character of God. God is holy. He's holy. He's holy. And so not only were we in his image extending his life, but we were in his likeness. We were expressing the very character of God. And the character and the nature of God is spelled L-O-V-E. 
E. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. We were doing it, be an expression of his character. And then, you know, the beautiful thing was, we were to be an exhibit of his power. We were to have dominion. He said, I want you to have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and every living thing that it crawls or is created. So let me just say one thing. You're not a mistake. When God made you, he did not make junk. He made you in his image and after his likeness. And his plan and purpose for you has never changed and will never change. And it's unique to you. You're not supposed to be me and I'm not supposed to be you. You're supposed to be the person God created you to be. You say, but Brother Fred, for God to have such a noble purpose in creation and for, for, for uh, God wanted, all that God wanted us to be, we're in a big mess, man. I don't, I don't see people extending the life of God and expressing the character of God and exhibiting the power of God. I know that in my life, that has not been true so many times. Well, what's the reason for this mess that we're in? Hatred and war and strife. I mean, how in the world did the world get in this shape when God created his creature, noble creation, man in his image? And by the way, we're not a higher form of an animal. No, we are a distinct, unique creation far above the animal world. Humans have a body, a soul, and a spirit. Animals have a body and a soul. And so we're unique in the sense that God gave us a body and a soul, but he gave us a spirit that can, can communicate with God and can know God and can love God. And he can dwell in us and we can be his people. But, but what happened? We know what happened. God created us with a free will. Oh, yeah, he did. He put Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, you can eat of all the trees of the garden, but you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, the day you eat it, if you eat it, you'll die. And so Satan comes along and said, Eve, can you eat of all the trees in the garden? She said, we can eat of all of them but one. We can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because God said if we did, we'd die. And the devil said, the serpent said, you won't die. You won't die. God can't be trusted. He just knows if you eat of that tree, you'll be like God. You'll be like him. And so God doesn't want what's best for you. And so he believed the lie and she ate of the uh, forbidden fruit. She gave it to Adam. He ate of the forbidden fruit. And sin, S-I-N, entered to the world, and we're in the condition we're in because of the sinfulness of the human heart. See what happened when they sinned. Now stay with me. This is important. What happened when they sinned was they still had a body, and they still had a soul, mind, emotions, and will. And by the way, the soul of man is powerful. Brilliant minds, powerful souls, strong wills. But you know what happened when man sinned? He had a body and a soul, but the Spirit of God left him. And now he was purely a physical being. A man or woman without God. 
When the Bible said the soul that sins, it shall die. When God told Adam and Eve, if you sin, uh, you'll die. What happened was they began to die physically and soulishly. But listen, they died instantly, spiritually. The Spirit of God departed Eve the moment she sinned. And the Spirit of God departed Adam the moment that he sinned. And here they were, physically alive, soulishly alive, but spiritually dead. And God created them not to be led by their soul. He created them to be led by his spirit. And so now we've got a human race that is born with a body and a soul. But everybody born since Adam, except Jesus, has been born spiritually dead. Oh, we got a body. And listen, I don't have to tell you how powerful man's mind is. Look at all the creation and things men have done. It's, it's far beyond my comprehension. And you say, well, you know, that must be God. But let me tell you something. There's a power in a human soul. And even without God, they're, they're capable of being brilliant and doing many marvelous things. And it's in the power of the soul. But they're not led by the Spirit of God. Now that's why there's chaos. That's why there's confusion. That's why there's hatred instead of love. That's why uh, there's selfishness instead of selflessness. Because created in the image of God, man has sinned. And the image of God in us has been marred. And you don't see man as God created him. Oh, no. No. We see what sin has done to the human race. But you know, the answer to the question spiritually God gives us three categories or three areas of the spiritual condition of men and women and and that's what I want you to look at look at first Corinthians 2 and I want to show you that today everybody in this room is in one of these conditions every one of us is in one of these conditions So you'll have to decide as I preach where you are spiritually in the sight of God. All right, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, all right? Now, I want you to listen how uh, Paul explains how things are the way they are. He said, for what man knows the thing of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? He said, you know why you can understand human things? Because you have a human spirit. Yeah, we we can understand things about each other. We can understand things about this world because we've got the spirit of man. It says here, for what man knows the things of a man or what woman knows the things of a woman except the spirit of man which is in him. Now listen to this, but even so. No one knows the things of God, but the Spirit of God. He said, as a human, you can understand a lot humanly, and you know about human beings. But you know, you'll never know anything about the spiritual world. You'll never know anything about the realm of the eternal, the spiritual realm, unless you have the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that reveals to you the eternal world, the unseen world. The spiritual world. And he says here, uh, who knows the, what, what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Then he says in verse 12, we have received 
not the spirit of the world. Talking about Christians. But we've received the spirit who is from God. God has given us his spirit in his son Jesus. That's what happens when you get saved. The life of God or the spirit of God comes back to live in you. And so therefore, you can understand the spiritual realm. You can understand the spiritual things. It says, even so, no one, uh, before we, verse 12, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Now here it is. Here's a human being, has a human spirit. They understand the seen world. T- see, smell, touch, taste. They understand all about human life. But no, then a person becomes a Christian and the Spirit of God comes to live in them and then they begin to understand the spiritual world. They understand there's a world that is greater than this physical world and that this physical world is going to pass away. But the spiritual world will never pass away. And how do they know that? Because the Spirit of God has come to live in them. And verse 12, it says, We have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we speak. We speak about the spiritual world, the eternal world. These things we speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. We compare spiritual things with spiritual. Now trust me, listen to me. A human being lives in a human world And all they know is the human world. That's all they know. What they can see, smell, touch, taste, hear. What they can put in a test tube and prove it. In other words, that's all that they know. And to them, that is all that is real. It's called the scientific approach to life. But you know, the day comes when God convicts us of our sin. And we realize that we're lost and separated from God. And we realize that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went to the cross and died in our place. He took every one of our sins on himself and died in our place so that he could give us his righteousness. And then realizing that we're sinners and separated from God and spiritually dead, we invite Christ into our life. And at that moment, we become spiritually alive and we realize, hey, there's more to it than this human world. There's more to it than this material world. There's a whole new world out there. It is the realm of the spirit. It is the eternal realm. It is the realm that will be forever. This world will pass away, but the kingdom of God will never pass away. And so here's a person who knows Christ. So they understand things from a spiritual point of view and it makes sense and they live in two worlds. The human world and the spiritual world. But the spiritual world is dominant in their life. And then it says something. Look at verse 14. This is the first man it talks about. Or the first person. Now the natural man. Now underline those words. The natural person. The natural person does not receive the things of God. Their foolishness to him. 
nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. Now, do you hear what that said? Do you understand why your classmates at school who are not Christians don't understand? Do you understand why the people you work with don't understand? What is this thing about Jesus? What about this thing of knowing God personally? What about this thing of loving God? What about this thing of serving God? What about living for eternity? What about this place called heaven? They don't understand. They don't understand how a person's life can be changed. They've tried and they failed. It says here, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. Neither can their foolishness to him, nor can he know him because they're spiritually discerned. You've got neighbors that, are, that don't know Jesus. But they you see you get up on Sunday morning, get in your car, go to church. They say, what's that all about? I don't believe in religion. All the church wants is your money anyway. I mean, I mean, I say, what's that all about? They don't have a clue. I'm telling you, they don't have a clue. Because they're, they're natural man. And they don't understand the things of the Spirit of God. As a young person, as you live the Christian life at school, and, and you don't engage in what the others engage in, and your life is far above the life that exist around you they say what is this i mean what is this what 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 is this all about that that i'm supposed to be pure and holy and i'm supposed to walk with god and love what is this all they don't have a clue y'all because they're a natural man and the bible says they're physically alive and soulishly alive but they're spiritually dead and they do not receive the things of the spirit of god they are foolishness unto them you know the natural man the Bible says that uh, they're physically alive, soulishly alive, but spiritually dead. They only understand the here and now. They have no understanding of the other world. Now, they have a powerful soul, and they can accomplish many things with their soul, but it's totally devoid of the Spirit of God. They, they, you know, can I tell you about the natural person? There's a spiritual vacuum in every one of their lives. You know what? See, God created us for God to live inside of us. There's a God-shaped vacuum in every human being. I don't care if they live in the deepest part of Africa or they live over in Bel Air Estates or whatever. I, don't, I mean, it doesn't matter. You understand? There's a spiritual vacuum. And the lost man doesn't know what it is. But he knows something's missing. He knows something's missing. So he says, well, I've got to find something to fill that emptiness in my life. And so they'll say, material things. If I get enough material things, it, it won't fill the vacuum in your life. Well, I'll tell you what I'll do is, 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 is I, I'll just uh, take drugs and drink alcohol. And all that does for a moment gives you a little relief from the pain and the emptiness of your life and then you get back and the emptiness is greater and the pain is greater other people say well I'll just fill my life with sexual promiscuity and and, and see people are constantly trying to fill th that spiritual vacuum in their life because something's missing God created them with a body a soul and a spirit and it was God's will for him to live in their spirit and he's not there and they're trying everything they can to fill the emptiness of their life and they can't do it you say if I just get enough money and marry the right person and having some kids 
It'll be fine. No, I'm just telling you. Only God, through Jesus, can fill the emptiness of your heart. Only Him. And that's why people are constantly searching and constantly looking. You know, the natural man may be religious. He may think, well, I'll just get religious. So he finds a religion, quote, unquote, that he can feel comfortable in. But he never, never repents of his sin, never turns from his sin, never invites Christ into his life. And he becomes religious, but he's just as empty. Oh, it makes him feel better for a while to go and do some religious act. But see, religion will never meet the deepest needs of a human heart. But then there, there's another person. The Bible talks about the natural man, but look at chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, and he talks about another person. He talks about the carnal man. It says in verse 1 of, of 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, Now I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual. Paul said, I wanted to write to you, and I really wanted to talk to you about some spiritual things of great importance. I cannot speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal. You were fleshly. You were babies in Christ. Now, some people want to say there's so not, no such condition as a carnal state. Well, they're wrong. I mean, Paul said that they, they, he couldn't speak to them as spiritual because they were still fleshly, but he said that they were babes in Christ. They were spiritually immature. They'd never grown up. The pattern of their life was still inconsistent. And he said, man, I wanted to talk to you. I know you've got the Holy Spirit in you, but you've never grown up. And, and I can't tell you some of the things I want to tell you because you're fleshly, because you're carnal. He said, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as a spiritual people, but as to carnal, even as to babes in Christ. He said, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. I mean, you're still on a bottle. He said, you are. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you have not been able to receive it. I mean, there was so much of the truth of God I wanted to share with you, but you couldn't receive it because you've just remained immature and you're still letting the flesh dominate your life. He said, I have fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you're not able to receive it. And even now... You're still not able. He said, and then he says, let, let me tell you what your problem is. You, you're just still spiritual babies. And he said, I'm not judging you, but just let me tell you what I see. He says in verse 3, you're still carnal. There's envy. There's strife. There are divisions among you. He said, that just proves to me that you're fleshly. You've never grown up. You're still immature. You're still a babe. He said, you're fleshly. You're, 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 there's envy and strife and divisions. Are you not fleshly and walk as mere men? You're not living like people in whom the Spirit of God dwells and in whom the Spirit of God lives. You're not living up to the capacity that you have in Jesus Christ who has come to live in you. He said, you're just not mature spiritually. Let me just say this. In the natural man, 
Christ is outside of their life. And they need for Christ to come into their life. And when Christ comes into their life, they leave being a natural man and become a spiritual man. But here's the problem with the carnal person. Christ is in their life, but he's not on the throne of their heart. They said it well, the young people there. Dear. You see, Jesus is not Lord of all, so he's not Lord at all. And the problem is that Christ is in their life. But self is still on the throne of their heart. And that's spiritual immaturity. Self is on the throne. And Christ is tucked away in a nice little corner of their life. But he's not in control. He's not Lord. And they're still walking in the flesh. Which is way below what God had for them. He intended for them to live and walk in the power of the Spirit. And and Jesus saved them. But they're still holding on to things that are sinful in the sight of God. Yeah, and the carnal person, Jesus, is in their life, but he's not on the throne of their heart. They're still self-centered instead of Christ-centered. And you know, uh, uh, the Bible says they're spiritual babies. Have you ever noticed a spiritual baby always wants its way? Have you ever noticed that? When they want something to eat, they'll scream until you give them something to eat. You know that. He said, you know, one thing about a carnal person, well, they want their way. What can you do for me? And, and, and you know, they're easily offended. And, and listen, it's not that Christ isn't in their life. Paul said that, that, that he was, but they just hadn't grown up. They, they'd remained carnal. Self was still on the throne. And Christ was not in control of their life. He was not Lord of their life. And let me tell you what their, their life is like. This is somebody that's saved but has not gone on to maturity. Most of y'all don't know anything about this because now we have those little, little video boxes and little video games where you can chase these little figures. You know what I mean? Little figures, you just chase them all over there. I never have understood that. And they shooting at each other, but I never just have understood it. Now, but, but everybody, I mean, I, my grandson came over to our house yesterday and I said, what's that you got? He said, that's my playstation i know i don't know it's something but i saw all those little figures running around i said i don't understand that but i didn't have anything like that you you know what we used to play with this is crazy how many of y'all have ever played with a (laughs) yo-yo you know it's not a video game but you go down and you go up and you go down and you go up and then if you get good you can get it where it'll spin and then you can spank the baby And it'll come back up. <laughs> and then there was one when you got good enough, you could make a triangle and then let it swing through that triangle. And it was fascinating. And it, the better yo-yo you got, the better, uh, the better chance you had. You know the problem with somebody that's carnal? They're like a yo-yo. Man, they're up today. I love Jesus. I'm following Jesus. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. And they're up. And then... They, 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 they're not consistent, and then they like that, yo, they're, they're up and down, up. They're down in their spiritual life, then they're up in their spiritual life, up and down. Hey, I, I know what that's like. I've been that way. And I didn't understand, what, what, what is this? I thought it was supposed to be up all the time. Hey, 
You've got to realize that God created us in such a way that we're dependent on Him. We're dependent on Him. And let me tell you something. Unless you get in the Word of God and love the Word of God and study the Word of God and let the Word of God fill your heart, you're going to be like a yo-yo up and down, up and down. And I'll tell you another thing. You've got to commune with God. You're God's child. God's Spirit's come to live in you. And you've got to feed your Holy Spirit in you. And you do it with the Word of God. And you let the Word of God get into you. And it strengthens you. And then you commune with God by praying. I mean, you begin to pray. And you talk to the Lord about all those temptations. And talk to the Lord about all those battles. And talk to the Lord about all that's going on in your life. And then you thank Him for all He's done for you. And then you get your eyes focused on Jesus instead of on yourself. And see, that keeps you from going up and down. It's miserable to be carnal, be saved and be carnal. It's miserable. Now, I want to say something that I used to say, but I believe it. The carnal Christian is not a permanent state. Well, I got saved when I was 10, and I'm 75 now, and I've been carnal all my life. Wait a minute. Something bad wrong. Because if you're saved, God's going to stay after you until you Quit being carnal, and you start being spiritual. He's not going to leave you alone. I'm just telling you right now. Well, I've been carnal 50 years. No, you've been lost 50 years. No, I'm just telling you the truth now. I mean, people use that excuse. Well, I'm, just, I'm saved, but I'm just carnal. Baloney. We all are carnal at times. We all get in carnal states, and some stay... For, I'm not putting any time limit on it. But if all you ever know is a carnal life, then that, that means that the Spirit of God is not in you. Because who? you know what God says? The good work I've begun in you, I will continue it till the day of Jesus Christ. God says, what I started in you, I'm going to finish. And as you become my child, I'm going to chasten you. I'm going to correct you. I'm going to do whatever I have to do. To help you to grow spiritually and to become like Jesus. He will not leave you alone. And so, there's the natural man. The person Christ is outside of their life. And all they know is this human world. Then there's the carnal person. And, and, and they got Christ in their life. But they're still on the throne. Self is still on the throne of their heart. And they basically are just being led by self instead of by Jesus. And so there's sin in their life, envy and strife and division and whatever you want to call it. And they don't have any spiritual power. And they're just up and down, up and down. And God keeps trying to teach them and trying to help them. But they don't listen. But they will. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're God's child... He will get your attention. Amen? And even if he needs to take you and give you a little whipping, guess what? He will. I never get I was preaching on this, how that God, whom God loves, he chastens. Whom God loves, he corrects. He does it because he loves us. And man, I was preaching on how boy that God, you know, he, he's serious about his children. And, and if they're not living right, he'll, 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 he'll chasten them. He'll correct them. And I, and I preached on that and went out over television and, and, and this woman, I don't know who it was, somebody wrote me a letter and said, that's not true. God never spanks his children. God never corrects his children. God is love. Well, he is love. But you know, when my daddy was spanking me, he said, I'm doing this because I love you. That's a funny way of showing you you love me. 
This hurts me more than it hurts you. Well, I don't know how that is. Now, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So you just got to understand that if you're God's child, God's going to stay after you, and he's not going to leave you alone. And you're going to be miserable until you start walking in the Spirit and listening to the Spirit and get in the Word of God and pray and let Jesus be Lord of all. Or he's not Lord at all. But here's the next one, and I love this, and I'm going to close with this. There's the natural man or natural person. There's the carnal person, and there's the spiritual person. Listen to what it says. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 2. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. Man, we got the Holy Spirit in us. That we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. All right, now let me just stop right there and tell you. You know what that means? So God has given us the Holy Spirit. And he knows us, shows us. Now the Holy Spirit shows us the things that are freely given to us by God. Number one, he shows us how real Jesus is. He shows us that Jesus is alive. And he shows us, the Spirit of God shows us that on the cross, Jesus won the victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. And I have all the power I'll ever need to be a son of the living God. It says he, he, the Holy Spirit freely shows us the things that are given to us by God. He shows us that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, perilous or No, we're more than conquerors through Christ that loved us. A spiritual person realizes who he is in Christ and who she is in Christ. We've been born again. We are a new creation in Christ. Jesus come to live inside of us. And he's greater than the world, the flesh, and the devil. And that we have authority in the spiritual realm. And as we live under his authority, we have authority. And you see, the tragedy is if a person remains a spiritual baby... They don't understand their identity in Christ. The power of sin has been broken. You don't have to sin. You can, but you don't have to. The Bible says that the spiritual person, it says, now you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. Because the spirit of God lives in is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I love Galatians 5, 16 that says, walk in the spirit. I mean, here's a spiritual person. Walk, let the Spirit control you. Let Jesus be on the throne of your heart. And let the Holy Spirit control you. Walk in the Spirit. And you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And it goes on and says in verse 22, If we live in the Spirit, if we're spiritually alive, let's walk in the Spirit. You know, the normal Christian life is to be a spiritual man or woman. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? When, the Holy, when Jesus is Lord and Jesus is on the throne of our heart and we're walking in the Spirit, guess what there is in our life? There's love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. Have you noticed, and I'm not saying this, I'm not saying this with anything but a broken heart. I'm not saying this with anything but a broken heart. 
But the world will take a person and make them famous and elevate them. These purple, these people obviously don't know God. And it'll be like the country singer out in Arkansas that overdosed and died about two weeks ago. And then there will be um, Marilyn Monroe who died of an overdose. And then there'll be the Blade Runner over in Australia who was so courageous as he ran in the Olympics with those artificial legs who shoots and kills his girlfriend. You think, man, with that kind of fame and with that kind of fortune, those people had arrived. But no, God have mercy. There's an emptiness that only God can fill. Money can't fill it. Fame can't fill it. Prestige can't fill it. Success can't fill it. Man, but I'll tell you, when you, you may not have but uh, enough money to pay the bills this month. And you may, may be not very significant at your work. You may be just one of the crowd. But let me tell you something. You've got the Holy Spirit living in you. And Jesus lives in you. And he said, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I'm telling you, the natural man, he's without Christ. The carnal man self is on the throne. And Jesus is not. Hey, the Bible says, if you're going to come after me, Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross. You die on it and follow me. But then there's a spiritual person. That Christ is Lord of their life. They're not perfect. But they're quick to repent. They, get, they, 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 they live in the spiritual realm. They're not controlled by the material realm. They focus on Jesus. They're quick to repent. They're quick to surrender. They follow his leadership. By the grace of God, they obey him. They obey him. They obey him. And God honors it. I got, the Lord just called me, and I'm, I'm going to say this and pray. There's the greatest contrast to show you what can happen to someone in King Solomon. In first, the first 10 chapters, 11 chapters of First King, it gives you the history of Solomon and how great he was, how wise he was, richest and wisest man in the world. And it shows that God had commanded him not to marry foreign wives, and he did. And then he began to worship their idols. Now, how brilliant and how spiritual was Solomon? He wrote Proverbs. What a great book. But he also wrote Ecclesiastes. Now, here was the man that God anointed as king and blessed him. And he reigned many years. And he did awesome spiritual things. But he disobeyed God and married foreign wives and began to worship their idols. And the guy who wrote Proverbs then wrote Ecclesiastes. And you know what it says? I tried everything the world had to offer. He was away from God. And he said, everything is vanity. Everything is empty. It's like chasing the wind. And you read that whole book of, of Ecclesiastes. And man, he says, I hated life. Wait a minute, Solomon. You were the wisest man. You knew God. I mean, you had the God's power. You built the temple and the glory of God came in the temple. And, and, 
God had his hand on you, and now you hate your life. You know why? Because he had walked with God. And God had mightily used him, but he disobeyed God. And became idolatrous. And he became the most miserable man on the face of the earth. He hated life. But now he does end up well. And this is just a preview of the message I'm going to preach in the next Sunday or two. I wasn't ready to do it today, but it is fascinating to see where Solomon went from to where he went to and how it affected him. Now, I want to challenge every one of you today. Where are you? Now, just be honest now. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that. But I, I want you to be honest now. I want you to be honest. In light of what I've said... You say, Brother Fred, I'm a natural person. Christ is outside of my life. I'm empty, and I need Jesus. I need to be forgiven. Okay? Then you can settle that today. And then you might say, no. Brother Fred, I know Jesus. He's in my heart. But I'm up and down. Up and down. Because there are things in my life that are sinful. And friend, if you've got sin in your life... You're going to be a yo-yo. You're going to be up and down. You're not going to have any peace. You're not going to have any joy because your fellowship with God is broken. And and you've been living that way for a while. And you say, I'm miserable. How can I be a Christian and be miserable? Because you're not right with God. You're, you're, You're carnal. You're walking as a babe. Or can you say today, Brother Fred, I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you one thing. Far as I know, Jesus is on the throne of my heart. And he lives in me. And I'm not looking to myself. I'm looking to Jesus in me to live his life. I can't live the Christian life, but Jesus can. And he lives in me. And I'm depending on the Holy Spirit to give me the spiritual power to overcome the world, to overcome the flesh, and overcome the devil. I'm not a natural person. I'm not a carnal person. By the grace of God, I'm a spiritual person. And that's the normal Christian life. And that's where God wants you and me to live.